This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm your host, Mac Pritchard. I'm also the founder of MaxList. It's a job board in the Pacific Northwest that helps you find a fulfilling career. Every Wednesday, I talk to a different expert about the tools you need to find the work you want. Looking for work can be discouraging, especially if your job hunt is a long one. Ashley Watkins joins us today to talk about how to cope with depression during a job search. She's a certified resume writer, job search coach, and former corporate recruiter. And Ashley comes to us from Birmingham, Alabama. Ashley, let's get started. How common is it for people to experience depression during a job search? It is very common, but the thing about depression is that most people don't either don't realize that they're actually depressed or they don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed. So it happens more than you think. Okay. Well, let's break that down. Uh, why don't people realize it's happening? Because they feel, so the job search is pretty much um, like a job in itself. So it takes up a lot of your time. And if you're not, um, you know, if you don't have an effective strategy, you could be spinning your wheels for quite some time. And um, if you're getting rejection after rejection after rejection, then you can either think that that's something that just kind of happens to, you know, to everybody, or you can be on the other end of the spectrum where you think it's something wrong with you specifically. So you sort of internalize that and you don't want to mention it to someone else because you feel like you're the only one and they may not understand. And you don't want to admit that there's something wrong with you. And why is it so hard for people to uh, talk about looking for work? You mentioned that people sometimes are embarrassed to bring that up. I think there is this stigma with um, not having a job. It, it, it can bring up feelings of being less than. Um, again, not wanting people to think that there's something wrong with you. Um, if people know that you're not working, it could be because you're laid off, because your company had a restructure, or that you want to, to launch and do something different in your career. But it also could be that you got terminated. And nobody wants, you know, most people don't want somebody to think that, oh, well, something was wrong with you and you got fired, you know, because you weren't performing or you don't know how to do your job or, you know, or something like that. So again, it could, it could bring up these feelings feelings of, well, maybe I'm not good enough, so I'll just keep it to myself and I'll just chug along the, you know, the way I've, I've been doing it. Something has to stick. And again, you internalize those feelings and that could be very lonesome. And why shouldn't people, uh, when, when people do internalize their, those feelings, why, why should they stop doing that, Ashley? Because for one, people need to recognize that you are not alone. You are not the first person who did not land a job as fast as they as they wanted to. You weren't you aren't the first person to be laid off. There are other people dealing with some of the same same things that you're dealing with, and that could be your support group. That could be your tribe. I usually tell people to find somebody who's been through what you've been through, so they could um, you know it could be a push and pull situation. They can pull you along with them by teaching you what they did to land their job, and then they can also you know push you out of those feelings of self-defeat and self-doubt and, you know, and, and all of those things. So you don't feel like, um, you know, you just overcome with this, uh, you know, feeling of lack of self-worth, like you're not good enough to get a job or that you're doing all of the wrong things. So just hearing it from someone else and having someone understand, it can help you out of that self-pity mode. So finding other people to talk to can can help. And I, I'm curious, do the circumstances of a, of a job loss affect the amount of depression somebody might experience? Are you going to feel worse, for example, uh, if you were laid off or fired? Or, um, uh, or what about somebody who might 
be employed in a job they, they don't particularly enjoy and they're struggling to find the, the, the next opportunity. Sure, uh, I'm so glad that you brought the differences up in, you know, in those circumstances because um, I want everyone, even if they're looking for a job you know, or not, to recognize that depression is real, for one thing. It's a real thing. Um, and it, it's a little bit more than the Sunday blues. It's not that you know, you're just waking up on Monday mornings and you know, you're dreading getting up, going to work to, you know, because you had such a great weekend. It's more than that. It's when you can't find a way to get yourself out of the humdrum. You, you, know, you feel completely defeated and overcome with sorrow. And depending on why you're in that situation, it could really make those feelings of depression or, um, you know, really the lack of self-worth. It can make it worse. So if you were fired, of course, you, you know, sometimes you don't see that coming. Um, a lot of times you should if your employer is giving you the regular performance evaluations. You should know that there are some issues. Um, but in certain cases like layoffs, you may not you may go to work that Monday morning thinking that everything is OK. And then you find out that, oh, my job is going away like today. This is my last day. And so you have to cycle through those emotions the same way you would when you're grieving someone's death. So, you know, you may go through the feelings of sadness. You may be angry. You may have questions. You may, um, you know, come to the realization, okay, this is happening. Now I need to get in work mode and find another job. So you have to cycle through all of those things and ignoring either one of those steps could cause you to backtrack. So let's talk about how to cope with depression. Uh, What's the first step you recommend a listener take? Um, the first step that I would say if if I, you know, if I have a client that approaches me and they're feeling like they're depressed in that is really decide and, you know, and be really true with yourself to understand whether or not am I just down because I'm not able to find a job right now or is this affecting my ability to function through life? So is this something that's a little more serious than, than just the job? Is it going beyond just the, the regular, you know, again, Sunday blues, like I said, you, you know, you're upbeat on Friday because the weekend is coming, Sunday rolls around and you're like, oh no, not again. So if it's that sort of thing and you kind of, you're out of it by, you know, say Tuesday or Monday afternoon, then that is something that's a little different than um, depression um, from a job search. So it may be, a, you know, a little more intense than that. So understanding your feelings and, you know, and what's your normal, um, you know, do I normally, am I normally sad every single day, um, you know, and then understanding that there is help out there. So, you, so for one, do I need the help? Is this something that's out of the ordinary for me? And is it time for me to reach out, um, you know, for help and help could come from, you know, multiple places. It could be a therapist or, you know, or something like that. So I think that's first is identifying what's your truth. Okay. And let's talk about that self-examination. How how do you, you you mentioned paying attention to feelings and, and, and uh, how you feel about going into work or uh, starting your your search again on a Monday. What else should people pay attention to and, and what other specific steps might they take to do that kind of soul searching? If it, and, you know, I would say if it's, if it's affecting the way you, again, just go through everyday life and you're just unable to do, you cannot get out of bed. You can't focus. It's really, you know, hard for you to do things like eat, sleep, you know, just your normal basic living activities. Then, of course, you're beyond the point of, you know, this is just I'm upset because of my job search. You're, you're beyond that point. So I would say definitely seek some professional or, you know, medical help um, from a counselor or a therapist or, you know, psychiatrist, whatever, you know, whatever medical professional um, or, you know, mental health professional you're going to reach out to um, for that. But when it comes down to the, to the job, 
do some, you know, again, some inner soul searching. So if I'm not happy with where I am right now, where do I want to be? So start with the end in mind and then work your way backwards. So yes, I don't like this job. I want to get another job doing X, Y, Z. So now I know that that's my end goal. So I I know I want to be this marketing director um, at a, a major telecom company, right? So now I can work my way backwards to say, okay, I need a great resume now. Um, I need to start uh, beefing up my network. What have I been, you know, do I need to join any associations? Do I need to take any additional training? So figuring out those things that they, that you can do to refine your skills, to build you up to your goal. So again, keep the end in mind and then map out your steps that you'll take to reach your end goal. I want to return to a point you made at the start of our conversation, which was the importance of telling people that you're looking for work. Uh, yes. Why? How does letting others know you're looking for work help when uh, a job seeker, Ashley? Yeah, so that's the, the the beauty of networking is that you're not only connected through um, to the, the person. Like, so we're connected. You're part of my network, Mac. So I'm not only connected to you but I'm connected by second or third or fourth degree or whatever to whoever you're connected to. And so by letting you know, you may not directly be able to offer me um, a job or it may not be a job where you work, but your friend may have a job that's available. Um, You may know of it through another personal connection. Well, I bumped into Sam and he said that he's looking for a marketing director. Okay. And then, so now because I've, you know, because you've opened up and said that you were looking for a a certain opportunity, it allows people to help you. If they don't know that you're looking for a job or if they don't understand what you do, they're unable to send that traffic your way. They're unable to send you the leads. So you want people to be your ears and eyes to help you. So they won't be able to do any of that if they don't first know that there's a need. So it helps to tell others that you're looking for work. What would you say Mm -hmm. to a listener who's either been laid off or perhaps fired? What should they say to people about their search? Should they talk about uh, why they're looking for work or just concentrate on uh, a job search goal? Um, It really depends on who you're speaking with. So if you're talking to one of your friends, obviously, if there's someone that you, you know, that you know, like, and trust, you'll probably tell them the truth that you, you got laid off or you're out of work for whatever reason. If you're talking to somebody and there's sort of a passerby um, networking relationship, meaning that you know them in passing, you've seen them at conferences and things like that, you may just mention the simple fact that you're looking for work. A lot of times people don't need a reason. Um, they don't need to know a reason why you're looking for work in order to help you. Most people are just willing to help you just off of the fact that they know you need help. So, um, but it may help to offer some context, especially if you're changing careers, um, because if you're still, you're a teacher and you want to get out of the classroom, but you want to work in more of a corporate setting during, say, curriculum development. Well, you would want to maybe explain that to give a backstory because it humanizes the situation. And so now the person can kind of visualize and say, ah, okay, well, that makes sense. You'll still be teaching, but you're teaching adults versus teaching children. And here's the, you know, the parallel. And so they're better able to help market you, Um, you know, because self-marketing is important. But if you want others to help you, you have to be able to present your needs in a way that they can then go back and explain it to somebody else who could potentially help you. Okay, so know what you want, tell people what you're looking for, and and ask for their help. I want to pause right now, Ashley, and and take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about uh, something you've already raised, which is uh, 
ask, asking for considering uh, asking for professional help and okay. what form that might take. So stay with us, and we'll be back in a moment. One of Ashley's most important tips today is that you must tell others you're looking for work. After all, how can your friends, family, and coworkers help if they don't know you're doing a job search? Here's something else you need to do during a job hunt. Tell employers what you can do for them. Hiring managers want examples of results, not promises. That's why interviewers ask behavioral questions. Do you have your answers ready? Go to maxlist.org slash questions. You'll get a free guide with the 100 most common behavioral questions, and you'll learn a four-part method for handling any behavioral question. Go to maxlist.org slash questions. With practice, it's easy to answer a behavioral question once you know how. Are you ready? Get our free guide today. 100 behavioral interview questions you need to know. That's maxlist.org slash questions. Now, let's get back to the show. We're back in the MaxList studio. I'm talking with Ashley Watkins. She's a certified resume writer, job search coach, and former corporate recruiter. And she joins us today from Birmingham, Alabama. Now, Ashley, before the break, we were talking about how to cope with depression during a job search, and you had raised in that our first segment the importance of asking, uh, considering getting professional help, and that could take the form of a therapist or perhaps uh, working with a career coach. Talk more about that. What when people should consider asking for for help, for help particularly working with a therapist. Mm-hmm. So, and again, you want to be realistic about your job search expectations. So job seekers, um, typically I will tell them your job search could be anywhere from three to nine months, depending on your level of position that you're targeting. The higher up you go, obviously those um, opportunities may be few and far between. So it may take longer for you to find those opportunities. Um, so knowing, uh, you know, what your expectations should be, make manage, make your expectations reasonable and manageable um, because you want to. To, um, you know, always stay a few steps ahead. So again, if it's three to nine months and you're coming up on eight and a half months and you still have no traction whatsoever, you know, I would think before that something, you know, a bell needs to or a whistle or something needs to go off in your head to be like, uh, I may want to reach out to somebody to see if I need some support is my, you know, to figure out what the issue is. So do some, um, you know, again, some discovery to decide, you know, whether or not are my documents not working? Do I need help with my interviews? You know, so that is, those are things that could be more apparent. But if you need, you know, more professional help from a counselor or someone or a coach who could, who works with you every step of the way, that would just depend on how much support you feel like you need and that you're not able to, to do it on your own. Um, there are certain things that I'm fully capable of, you know, of doing, but if I'm spinning my wheels for, t- for too long and it's becoming something where, you know, maybe I I can't pay my bills or, you know, maybe, um, you know, my skills are actually getting rusty or, you know, or something like that, then yeah, it's, it's time for you to definitely reach out and and get some, you know, and get some help. And you can work with a counselor alongside working with a a resume writer as well. You don't have to get all of the help from one person. So the goal is to have a tribe of people around you who you can tap into for different things. So you may have that friend that you're talking to that could get, who's, who knows the ins and outs of, 
whatever industry you're in because that person's well connected. Then you may have a resume writer that's on your team. You may even have a recruiter that, uh, you know, that can help, uh, I guess, connect you with different opportunities. And then you've got your therapist who you can work through those different emotions and challenges that you're having, um, you know, on the inside. So there's people that, you know, again, that should be in your circle that could help you with each aspect of your, um, you know, of your job search. But even in that, it's up to the individual to really know themselves and understand when this is not me. I'm just not myself. I need some help. And how does an individual figure that out? Uh, How do they know, for example, that it's the resume isn't working and it's time to work with a resume writer or um, I'm struggling, uh, a listener might be struggling with getting clear about career, uh, about goals and wondering, is this the time to work with a career coach? I would say um, to track your results, track your progress. So even something as simple as, you know, some people do really well with pen and paper, um, tracking things, um, writing dates, making notes. I'm, I'm pretty bad and I, I usually try to get better, but I like the electronic method. I'll keep notes on my phone to track different things. But the, the tried and true method that I have my clients work through is um, a spreadsheet. Track the day you apply for a position, how you applied for it, who you reached out to as far as your networking connections, when they responded, what the conversation was about. Track every single piece. And then when there's bottlenecks and you're not and you're consistently not making it past a certain point, then you know that that's probably the issue. So if you're noticing that you're getting to the initial phone screen. Okay, or you're not getting to the initial phone screen, then you may backtrack and say it's a resume. If you're getting to the phone screen and you're not making it past that, well, then let's reevaluate what happened on the phone screen. If you're making it to the face to face interview but not getting an offer, then the issue may be with. So, at every point that you're stopping and not making it past, document that and see, continue to do what's successful and then readjust your strategy where you're finding the bottleneck. In the system. I really like that process that you outlined and, and identifying where you're making progress and, and where you're getting stuck because uh, it, it's, it's very clear and easy to understand. You must see great results with your clients doing that. I do, especially those who are afraid of, of networking. Um, sometimes that in itself brings up um, anxiety uh, for a lot of clients, especially those who I have that are introverted. I like to um, describe myself as an extroverted introvert because I prefer to be by myself and not to be out to, you know, at these networking events. So I am a little hesitant to to do that. So when I have clients that feel the same way, I usually share those strategies that work for me in order for me to connect with people that I don't know. And so realizing that, um, you know, there is a way to monitor each area of it, it makes it a little easier, um, you know, for them. And they can see exactly where the holdup was for them. And, you know, I have a client that shared a success story with me because she was afraid of networking and that was her bottleneck. That was it. And until she did that, she didn't get any any results. And so when I pushed her and said, you've got to go ahead and do it, just try it. Just one time, just reach out to this person um, that she hadn't spoken to in eight years, but she knew them well, you know, at the time and they had just lost um, connection. And I always say, rekindle your old network, you know, tap into those people that you haven't spoken to in a while, reconnect with them. Um, And she was able to do that and had some, some very good success very quickly, but that was her bottleneck. How do you recommend a listener find a, a coach? Say they're in the market for a resume writer or a career coach or someone who can help with the LinkedIn profile, whatever bottleneck has been identified following the process you ju- just outlined. What's the best way to find a vendor who can help you? I would say ask your network. 
ask people who have used um, a coach before. It's just as simple these days as, you know, making a post on social media asking, have you ever used a career coach? You don't have to let people know that it's you that wants to know it. You can find an article and share it and, and sort of passively, you know, ask whether or not somebody's used a job search coach or a resume writer um, before. And then you can expand your search and maybe do, um, you know, maybe Google um, resume writers or career coaches. Um, but it, regardless of how you find these people, you definitely want want to have some sort, most uh, coaches and resume writers that I'm familiar with offer some sort of um, discovery call or um, maybe a, a 15 minute call just to talk about the process and what you're, you know, just to manage expectations and, you know, talk about fees and processes and, you know, and things like that. And so I would say schedule as many as of those as you have to until you find that right fit. It has to feel good. It's an, an important investment in your career. Probably one of the most important things you will do, you know, in life is to uh, to say yes or no to a job um, besides buying a house and having a family and that sort of thing. Um, so you want to take it very seriously and, and vet people before you just, you know, before you just sign on. But the same way that you would do if you were looking for, you know, a new barber or, um, you know, a mechanic or something like that, you would ask your network first. And how do you recommend people find a therapist if they, they want to work with a counselor on, on those personal issues. How, how do you coach your clients who might be in need of that service? So usually I, I have my clients self-identify whether or not they feel like they need, um, you know, they need help. If they mention things like they're depressed or, you know, or something like that, then I'll have them, um, you know, I'll just talk to them a little bit about, you know, just managing what they, you know, what they feel like they need help with. If it's somebody just to talk through their issues of stress or, you know, anxiety or, you know, or things like that, I'll just, you know, tell them to talk to their primary care physician who may be able to make recommendations for them because that's somebody who has managed their, um, you know, their health otherwise. And usually they are easily um, able to make a referral. Um, you can also talk to people. Um, now it's becoming less taboo to even have a therapist because that's why I think a lot of people didn't get help is because people think, oh, well, you have a therapist, you're crazy. And that's not it. It's just that, you know, a lot of times you need people to help you with a plan and a strategy to be a better you. It has nothing to do with you being crazy. Um, you know, so I think the the more we're the more open we are about having those conversations, the more willing people are to share. Like, oh, I've got a great therapist. I love my therapist. So you you know, I'm going to make this recommendation for you. So um, you know, so I think the first place I would start is maybe my primary care um, physician, and I usually tell you know tell my clients to start there first, and then if you want to talk to your friends and ask um, for recommendations, if you know that your friends, I mean, several of my friends have therapists. So if I ever you know needed a new one or wanted to to change or something like that, I could easily find one through them because we talk openly about that. So it really just depends on how open you are about discussing those types of things. But again, it, if all else fails, the best way to do it is just talk to your, your um, PCP first. I want to return to a point you made earlier in the interview, which is about the importance of asking for help. And I, I hear from so many job seekers who say they do that, but they get ghosted, Ashley. Uh, emails go unanswered, calls don't get returned. Why do you think that happens? Sometimes I, I think, and it's great. I'm glad glad that you brought that up. Um, that does come up regularly. People get ghosted. Um, recruiters get ghosted by candidates. Um, I think a, it usually happens when people don't know what to say, um, and then they just rather you know not say anything. I mean, I don't. You, you can call it you know being a coward or just um, you know lack of customer service or you know or whatever. Um, but it, it is common 
to not hear something back. Sometimes you can trace it back to maybe you're not asking the right questions. Um, I think um, a lot of times when I do the discovery work with clients, I'm finding out that they're reaching out asking for something um, to people that they don't know. And so I usually tell them, if you're not comfortable asking this person for $50, then you're not comfortable enough to ask them for a job. And what about people who are just asking for an introduction or perhaps a meeting to um, learn more about a company? They're, they don't want a gift. They just want some insights. What What's the best right. way to make an ask like that to ensure that you do get a response and reduce mm-hmm. the likelihood of getting ghosted? I think what you can do, especially if you're connecting with someone via email or maybe maybe it's just a cold reach out um, via LinkedIn or something like that, you want to research the person and really truly understand why am I reaching out to this person? So if you don't first know the reason why, oh, because I want a job, well, then that's not a good enough um, reason to reach out to somebody or to get a response, right? So of course, it's a good reason internally. And we know we're all doing this to get a job, but it doesn't need to come. it's It's about give to get. It's not about, I'm going to see what I can get from you. I need your connections. I need your referral. I need you to send my resume. I need, you know, you're not there to put the person to work because that's, they'll ignore you that way. Especially if you're reaching out to someone like a recruiter or a hiring manager who gets those types of communication all day long. Something about you has to differentiate. So, um, you know, research to see what personal connection you have. Um, Make it about that person. Don't, you know, when you're connecting, don't make it about yourself. It's ultimately, of course, in the back of your mind, it's because you want a job, of course. But initially, in order for you to build to that, it has to be about the other person. It has to be about them and their job and their connection to the organization, what their experience has been like. And then you can ease into the conversation about what they could do to help you after you've helped them. Okay. So know, know why you want to talk with this person and how mm-hmm. how they might be helpful to you and, and offer questions or uh, make it clear what the purpose of the meeting is. Well, Ashley, it's been a great conversation. Uh, tell us what's next for you. Yes. So what I want to do now is because so many people are not sure about working with coaches um, right off. So they need a little bit of um, a little bit of help. So I want to um, launch this job search kit. It's going to have tons of resources about networking, researching, um, career document prep, interviews. So it's going to address every piece of the job search. So what you need to do before, during, and after your jobs, um, before, during, and then after you land the job so that your progression continues. So it'll have a lot of sample letters and things like that in it um, to help everybody. And then I want to start um, building on my coaching business because I have been a corporate recruiter for 15 years now. So I have a lot of knowledge, firsthand knowledge that can work people through application processes and things like that. So I want to um, really expand on that and then do a lot more um, public speaking. I know people can learn more about you and the services you offer by visiting your website. That's rightstepresumes.com, and we'll be sure to include that URL in the show notes. Well, Ashley, uh, you've had so much, so much great advice today. What's the one thing you want a listener to remember about how to cope with depression during a job search? Mm-hmm. Yep. So understand that, um, you know, if you learn anything about job searching in general is that rejection is going to happen. You can only land one job. There's only one yes, right? That's all you need. So the rejection is usually what triggers. It starts there. Like, you know, you're not getting something. So understand that that happens and it could be a hard pill to swallow. Um, However, when you make adjustments and do your evaluation to see what's not working, adjust quickly, ask for help. 
you know, seek guidance and, you know, whether on determining whether or not it's a Sunday blues or whether or not you actually have severe, um, severe depression, get the help that you need um, so that you can get into a more positive mindset. And then that way you can land your dream job at the, um, your dream job at the salary you deserve. What will you do in your next job interview when you get a behavioral question? For goodness sake, don't wing it. Get your free copy today of 100 behavioral interview questions you need to know. Go to maxlist.org slash questions. Again, that's maxlist.org slash questions. On our next show, our guest will be Sumeri Bangras Amy. She's a specialist in equity and conflict resolution. So Mary says, one of the most effective ways to enjoy success in your career is to cultivate an inner circle of advisors. She and I will talk about how to create and serve such a circle and why it makes such a difference in a job search and a professional life. I hope you'll join us. Until then, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job. <music>